about to enter the Double Dragon Podcast with Shane Greenwood, owner of Double Dragon Gym in the Sutherland Shire, Trent Lawrence, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, and active pro Muay Thai fighter, Hugh O'Donnell. Are you ready? Fight! Fight! Okay, and welcome back to End of the Double Dragon Podcast, episode 39. Back again. The world tries to stop us fucking, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. We'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is the holiday season, all the stuff coming up. Uh, that one had a Christmas party this weekend. That was pretty cool. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, had a good time. And then I had a few, had a magician up here. That one, he, he blew a few minds, like the like Luke Thompson. I don't think he can ever recover from it now. Yeah, he's yeah. never going to be the same. All yeah. the rubber band tricks. <laughs> it blew his mind. <laughs> it just looks just going, oh, 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 I don't know. My, my brain no worky anymore. But um, that was, yeah, that was, it was a fun night. And then, yeah, capped it off with Frank and Blankers afterwards from there. And, yeah, it was just a good old night with, like, with the team in general. Yeah. Um, so let me see. So we're, we've got a bit to cover. We'll see how much time we got to, to do so. But um, we're also doing it not from the studio today. The studio is getting renovated. Well, tomorrow and Kale's <laughs> house is getting renovated. It's getting a, a proper roof installed on it. And I thought it'd be a little bit too noisy to do. Yeah. There's like ten dudes up there like hammering color bond together. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just doing it in the in the gym itself in Double Dragon and so on. So um, the sound should sound alright. It sound okay on the playback. From there, as long as, like, uh, I don't know, Ron doesn't come in or some shit. No. That's a possibility. Yeah, that's it. But, like, um, let's go from there. So, like, the last time that we, we left off, we were actually in Melbourne for, for Hughes' fight on Roots 9, uh, just before the fight uh, went on, so, like, the day before. So, now yeah, that, that happened a couple of weeks ago now. But, uh, Hugh, what did you feel in your, in your first uh, um, Rebellion Roots, Roots fight, mate? I felt pretty good. Yeah. I thought, like, it was a good match. Mm-hmm. But, you was... Pretty tough customer. Yeah, Mitch from like, Man Ho. Yeah. Came all the way from the Northern Territory down to Victoria to fight, so fair play to him. Mm. But, like, it was a tough one. Like, He's Mitch, a big, big dude. Big dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he hydrated a couple of kilos heavier than I did. And, like, just relentless. He didn't stop the whole fight. Mm. Just belted forward, 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 forward the whole time. Mm. So, sort of had to figure out that, like, going forward and meeting in the middle probably wasn't the smartest course, yeah. course of action. So, just tried to sit on the back foot a little bit and just whip the switch kick, knees up through the middle. And later on, just sort of keep him off with elbows. But nothing kept him off. Like, he just ate whatever and then just hurled back to the inside. So, bloody tiring. Like, three <laughs> rounds are probably the most tiring fight I've had this year. Yeah. So, I haven't seen you, like, in, like uh, especially come back up the second round. I was going, oh, yeah, this, you're looking a little bit warm. But I said, ah, fuck it, you know, should be right. One more round. And then, like, um, it was a pretty good performance for yourself. Uh, like, so, like, you know, had had a lot of opportunities in the past and really worked that elbow game into there. You know, like, being an amateurs and things like that. It's hard to work with headgear and elbow pads on. It's very nice elbowing without pads. Mm. Just slips in, it's just nice and clean. Yeah. Even, even, even cut him as well. Yeah, it gave him a pretty sweet cut. Yeah. But, yeah, got to keep the elbows kind of, like, can't get overzealous with elbows, especially without the pads on. Yeah. So just tried to play like the smarter sweeping elbows. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of, the cut sort of did the job. I knew if I just slice him a little bit, kind of slow him down a little bit, then get back to work with body kicks and things like that. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, it was a really good performance. The show was awesome. Yeah, it's like um, <clears throat> afterwards we were treated to like the there's a there's a lot of good fights in that one, but like the main event in particular was like a, a real cracker. It's like it's it's a fight that like you know could it easily can be on Rebellion and has been on Rebellion before. Yeah, yeah. have been on, once on Rebellion and once on because it was a trilogy fight. The other was on uh, Epic. Mm, so the, the main event was Barry Oliver from uh, Riddler's <laughs> Muay Thai and um, Ramish Habib. From what was it? Is it Fighters Express? Express still? Yeah, yeah Fighters Express in Melbourne. Yeah. From there, that was a that was a really good fight. That was an awesome fight. It was a good fight to kind of see where like um really Ramish like uh, used all the rounds he's fought Barry Oliver before and really kind of like you know set the game plan and the pace that he wanted to do and like um really like just put on a really awesome display. Yeah, just too smooth, too sleek, mm. so good. Yeah, it's like um according to Barry Oliver, is always just that kind of forward up style, like you know. Tough Irish prick from there. Yeah. <laughs> just, it does, doesn't give a shit. Not not scared off easily by anything like that. And like you know, but just couldn't like couldn't get past his Mish's uh, range. He's like his tempo and distance control was really spot on. Just too far away. Mm. Always just that little bit too far away, and then do his work. And then he just mm-hmm. a shot's length away again. Yeah, just so smart. Ramesh is. I feel like Ramesh has just been around so long that it's when you fight live, like you almost like forget how good he is, like because he's just been on the scene forever like i've never seen him fight live before yeah it was really something to behold just watching his distance control and like ramesh definitely still getting better yeah oh yeah like you know i was a, always a fan of ramesh but like yeah it's like i said seeing it live was just a different level and it's like you know he's like right up on high on my cards of the guy that always watching you yeah like, ramesh is a, a real a-class fighter mm. in well he's like all kickboxing really yeah 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 he can do he can both. do both yeah mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, you know, how it progresses on. Like, if he ever gets a big call, maybe from one or... Like, that, maybe. like, I think we were saying in the crowd at this time, that'd be a smart call to make. Yeah. With one, or, like, one of the kickboxing organizations, like Glory or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Ramesh has been training with River Daz, who's yeah. signed with Glory now. It's like, that's a guy that you could give a big contract to. Mm-hmm. And this type of guy as well, like him, River, and also, like, uh, recently, like, in Ameri- the American Aston, Aston Powell. Aston Powell, yeah. Like, um, like, you know, they're the type of people you need for Glory now because like Glory like really I've kind of gone off it a bit because oh, it's the same yeah. shit <laughs> all the time you know it, it, sometimes if you get it it's just the same six dudes fighting yep all the time now but like um, something like those, those kind of guys going in the division so could maybe bring some life back into it yeah, yeah. alright so um, continuing on from that so like a uh, fair bit to talk about in Muay Thai um, also Jiu Jitsu and uh, UFC but like yeah trying to keep it really uh, Australian focused because there's a lot of Aussies fighting at the moment which is kind of like this time of year it seems like can packed everything in yeah yeah, so um, so we did have Lewis Regis on the podcast uh, in, like a few weeks ago. He was coming up to his fight with Yoda, and he he had his fight. Um, my champion. It was actually was it was it was before you fought, yeah, or was it after? Uh, was it, it was after. After, yeah. 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 So it's the like it was, it was the week after 7th. I fought. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cool. Um, what did you think of the, of the fight? I thought it was just like a Yod and Clark performance, really. Mm. Like, I think you could sort of see, and as Lewis sort of said this after, it was just like once Yod and Clark would sort of set his feet and then just fire that left hand or left kick. That, like, Yod and Clark sort of opened the fight with a lot of his signatures, as he does. Like, he's had enough fights to know what works. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Would sort of just send the left hand down the middle, left kick, and you can kind of see how unsettlingly powerful your tank light is. Mm. And sort of what Lewis said after the fight was like, until you felt your tank light's power, you can't understand it. Mm. And I thought he sort of just set the tempo for that straight away. The, like Lewis struggled to get himself in a spot where he could start to build any momentum. So it landed a couple of pretty good right body kicks, but your tank light just ate him like pancakes and just 
kept chucking forward. And like, I think um, the little gloves and the addition of the fence is something that maybe Lewis was that just takes a little bit of getting used to. Yeah. And then, yeah, just kind of got trapped there. And then that straight left hand bucket him over and just triple up and cut it for a pretty nasty stoppage for Yard. Yeah, it's like when I'm just watching the fight as well, I wouldn't say like Yard was like piecing him up before that. It was like, it was like you know, the fight itself was like, oh, this is pretty back and forth. Yeah. So like, but like, you know, just as soon as you, just, you kind of pinged it as a one, two, and as soon as the left lane and the upper cover is like, ah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all happens. Shit, shit. Nothing you can do about that, really. Yeah, like when they were playing the game, Lewis was doing fine. It's mm. just that once something comes through from York, he's yeah. just disgustingly powerful. <laughs> like, that'll, that'll change your plans. Yeah. So, and then, like, even after this fight, there's talks about him and uh, Georgia Petrus, uh, Petrus um, having a dig at it. That's a legit super fight. It is. And it's like, it's it's like it's so funny, like, it's, it's only been made so far down the line of these guys' careers. It's like, now it's happened. But I'm guessing it's not going to happen with little gloves, though. But hey, I don't might, think but... Petrosian would agree to little gloves. Mm. With fair, like he's had, what, 90 or what fights in big gloves. It's late in the game to be making major career changes. Yeah. But I don't know, money talks. That's it. That'd yeah. be an awesome fight. I don't think Yod cares. Yod doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, they're both at a late stage in the career, but both in wicked form. Mm. Like, it's still a meaningful fight to make. Like, you know, Yod took a fair bit of time off before yeah. he came back into it as well. Yeah, Yod retired for... Oh, he's actual, he was off with injury and he came back after a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Then he retired for not that long. Yeah. Then came back with one. But like, he's been looking fresh since he came back. Oh, yeah, fine. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple of other fights, uh, like uh, MMA, uh, uh, Muay Thai-centric fights on that on the one championship card. Yeah, two good well. fights. Yeah. yeah. Um, which ones were those ones? Again? That was Liam Harrison versus Tesh Marikot. Ah, yes. Which is just a really good example for why you shouldn't step up in weight on eight days. Fuck, he looks fight. small. He looks so little. And he did well. He did. Like, he was like winning the early exchanges against um, Tesh Marikot. I was saying it was like, as well, like Liam Harrison said in the past, because I never fight, fucking find him in little gloves. But I was seeing like his style, especially his style. Like, okay, gloves. you should wear little gloves, man. Yeah. I mean, even for this fight with the way, like, he's sort of like blistering hand combinations. Mm. Um, that would have probably favoured him more in this fight. Like, mm. like the way the combinations that he landed, if he landed them in those tiny little gloves, would have made a bit more of a difference. But it's just so hard to like. Liam Harrison was landing well in this fight, but when the weight difference is there, like Pechmorakov could sort of just wear those a little bit worse. Like he can't. He sort of just walked through, and he was getting stung, but he wasn't getting like really rattled. There was just that little bit of difference in size. But Harrison did really well, like landing his hands well. A quarter awesome early sweep, dumped Peshmarokot. But it's just like coming into that second round, Peshmarokot just stood over him, just really made his higher frame to be felt, and then just rolled. Like he was getting hit with hands when he did it, but just rolled an elbow over the top of Harrison's arm, <laughs> crossed his arm, just flatlined him. Yeah. As Liam Harrison said, like he blew off my wig. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my wig clean off. <laughs> it was a fucking mean elbow. I <laughs> mean as And like apparently hurt his shoulder. That's how hard the elbow was. Like, came down along his face and it was his shoulder that copped it. Yeah. But, like, now Harrison's back in training since so fighting in Yorkout January 25. Just, oh, okay. that's quick. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty quick. And it's also, I've seen, like, he said he was never fighting in little gloves. And I've seen videos this week of him with the little gloves on on pads. Like, hope one lets me fight in little gloves now. Like, <laughs> so change his tune. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, what was the other fight that was on that card? That was Pampayak Jim Wang Nong versus Rupert Patello. And that was a very classical Southpaw kickstylist fight. Like, just those real, like, Pampayag was just doing the textbook stuff. Like, stick something between you and your opponent with a tape 
working a little bit off the hand trap, stuff like that. Then faint off it and throw it. Just going sweet. Oh, he's so rangy, Pampire. Like, got long limbs, like, real thin build, and just winds that um, left kick over the top of the guard. Just peace out with body and high kick. Sweet fight. And, like, the Rupert Teller came at him in the third round and started to land some leather, but just too far down on the cards. Got knocked down in the second round with a high kick. But tough as. Like, stayed in there. I thought he was probably going to go out off the kick. But hung in there. That was a good fight. And I want to see more of Pampire. Like, like Pampire has been in good form even before. He got signed with one. Like, was coming off a good win over Super Lek in Thailand. So, like, he's a good one to watch. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what weight that is, but there's good fights for him. Ah, yeah. There's always going to be fights, you know. <laughs> Especially, like, you know, everyone's really building it. Yeah. Like said, it's good. Um, <clears throat> so, going from that one there. Uh, so, like, yeah, like, talking about some Aussies doing some good things around the world. Uh, still in the Muay Thai scene. So, like, uh, especially in the girls. From there. So, yeah, the uh, girls are killing it. Yeah, so, um, PT, uh, PTJ's own, uh, Yolanda Smith. Um Went over to uh, Macau with uh, Lee Fook as well from Phoenix Gym. They got the short notice call up to do the Asia Games. I think that's an IFMA affiliated. Uh, yeah, IFMA affiliated games. Yeah. Yeah. From there, so um, yep, they went over there. I think I didn't see much on on Lee, but yeah, so nothing. On Lee. I think I think he might have lost a close one on, in the first match he had from there. Um, and but then like Yolanda, um, she went all the way to the gold medal match. Yeah. To yeah. the best of my knowledge, Yolanda's bracket was three woman bracket. I could be wrong, but I thought from what I was following that it was her, uh, Thailand and Kazakhstan, mm. which is that's a tough bracket. Yeah. And like drew the tie first up. And Yolanda's right hand is hard. Like Yolanda's got a really good right hand. Mm-hmm. Just got a sat at range and just kind of like. Master the tie down, like really, really just put on an absolutely dominant performance. Clinch was good, just kind of locked down the clinch, just kept working forward, 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 and just sort of threaded that right hand through the middle of the hands and then scored two eight counts over the course of the fight. Like, fair play to the tie, um, hung in there for the whole points, but Yolanda just absolutely dominant decision mm. and then moved on to the um gold medal match a few days later. I think more of the same. So two holds the gold in that against... I think the final match was Australia versus Kazakhstan. Yeah. So yeah, that's two big wins. It's good to see Yolanda as well back being able to fight full tie. Yes. Like she went in a stint where she sort of cleaned out Australia almost. Like there wasn't much for mm-hmm. Yolanda in Australia. Like she had some really good fights against the top girls in Australia. And then there wasn't really anything super interesting for her to do in Australia. So the, the call was sort of Chinese kickboxing fights. Yeah. Which is like, she did fine in those fights. Like, it was sort of just learning on the job. Mm. But um, but she's not someone you'd really consider to have a kickboxing style. Mm. And you find the same thing, the right hand. Right. That works in every rule set. <laughs> so she's really started, I think coming out, like, into these fights, you can see maybe fighting kickboxing made her a little bit more comfortable to throw hands. Because she's yeah. really throwing hands with conviction now. Mm. And um, not that she really didn't before, but like, her plan was a little bit more clinch-centric before, whereas this fight she was... Happy to notice that she was hitting the right hand, then just sit down and keep throwing down the pipe because it's hard. Like she's got a real good right hand. Mm. So yeah, it's just good to see her finding her natural rules. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, but hey, good on bringing home the gold to the Aussies. Yeah. Um. um so <clears throat> also as well, like uh, talking about gold from there, it's like uh, in Hong Kong, uh, we had like a Queenslander, uh, Alma Juniki. Uniku? Uniku. Uniku? Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm just saying how it looks. <laughs> I'm just looking at Joe. I'm pretty sure it's Uniku. Yeah, minus. Albanian, man. <laughs> but, like, um, she had a uh, fight against, like, um, very highly ranked, even number one ranked, like Zaza mm. from Thailand from there. Um, so, it's funny, like, two two world titles was on that night for that one fight. So Which is bizarre. I'd never heard of, like, the WBC one, that's 
probably the world title these days. The green belt. And getting increasingly valuable. WBC is kind of rolling through and taking mm-hmm. over the world. Yeah. The IPCC world title, I still can't tell you what that is. It looks flashy. It looks flashy. Yes. <laughs> <There was laughs> I don't know what it is. There's enough gold and chains hanging off it from there. Yeah, that's a fresh <laughs> belt. And I think because it was a lady fight, they made it pink. Yeah. Which is cool. I'm down with pink. Mm. But yeah, Alma went to Hong Kong there and like, um, put up a really good fight against Zaza to take the win. Yeah. Like, really just did not give a fuck that she was fighting Zaza. No. <laughs> yeah, like, um, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, uh, some of those female games, like you know, it's like just like you can just see like a strength dis- uh, disparity between yeah. them. And the one that's got like good technique with the strength as well is usually going to be the winner. Yeah, that's what I said. So there was a lot of like you know, she was catching the kicks early and just dumping her. Yeah, and then, and then like just really fatiguing. So but, yeah, she like really just tired her out. Mm. Like I think stars are probably outpointed her in the first round. Yeah, like just played her game and it was sneaking into some tricky spots in the clinch and stuff like that. And then it was like, um, Arm just came out from the second and sort of just stopped giving her respect, like would just march her through. And if she caught a kick, like a lot of these stumps, a lot of them were quite pretty. Some of them she'd go for, not really get, and just wrench down to the floor. Like just really, she was 100% committed to finishing these stumps. Yeah. And then I think that was the turning point where she started to dump Zaza and make her get up over and over again because mm. she started to sort of slow down as the rounds progressed. And like, Arm's right hand was on, started to sort of thread that through. Did a really good job of just kind of squishing that clinch down, getting the gloves in front of Zaza's face, just making them really uncomfortable, not letting her breathe in the clinch. Mm. And also did a really good job of when she could see Zaza moving back to set and kick. You can see this almost lunge in Alma's legs where she would cover all the distance and smother the room to kick to land hands. So she might eat that kick, but it doesn't have any of the sting on it because it, she doesn't give the kick room to get all the way through. Just as soon as she saw a middle kick coming up, she just cover all the distance and start landing some hands and smother. Yeah. Landing some good knees and then like dropped her in the fourth round. Mm. With like, I think it was a hand first. I think it was a right hand. Yeah. Then smothered into the clinch and just started, like hurt her with the right hand, gets into the clinch, doesn't really let her breathe, starts pumping some knees and then from there it was virtually over. Like it went through into the fifth round mm. but the ref just had to stop in and you not let Zaza try to fight anymore. She was just too fatigued, too slow and just out of ideas. Yeah, definitely. And like, uh, Leading up into this as well, like uh, Alma was like training at Sankinoy. Sankinoy, yeah. I think she did a three-month stint at Sankinoy. Like, Sankinoy himself is in the ring a legend, but has a really good reputation for, like, the people who go there and, like, I've heard it's, I don't know too much about how they train, but I've heard it referred to as, like, the hardest gym in Thailand. Mm. And, like, people who go there for extended stints and actually stay come back world beaters. Like, mm. Chad Collins, so mm. he's at Sitong Pinong now, but he's kind of formative time in Thailand with that Sankinoy. Um, with Sam Bark's gym mm. in Thailand, yeah, now. Um, so it's like, yeah, good spot. <laughs> they must like aggressive people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like, to be aggression is like, yeah, one of their... Especially like uh, someone like, uh, like a girl going there and just spending that amount of time there. Yeah. Like, that, and it's like, yeah, it's going to make a pretty hard bitch yeah. <laughs> with the beat. <laughs> yeah, at her age as well, it's like, she's absolutely killing it mm. training here. But I think like... A, Training experience like that to just train full time in Thailand for three months is like that's huge strides. Yeah. Like, and I think you can see that in the Zaza fight. Mm-hmm. And like you know, funnily enough, talking about Yolanda and Alma, yes, they're set to do a rematch. Um, I'm February stoked next with year. this fight. Yeah. They fought February this year, like they were almost fighting like a year to the day. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like when people saw, I think, I think Alma's one of those people. She's at that level where 
she's ready to fight anyone. Obviously, now she's a world champion. But you still see her get in these matches and people go, oh, I think I'm probably a bit young and stuff like that. And that's what um, happened with the Zaza fight, for sure. And I think that's what happened with the first Yolanda fight. Yolanda won that fight last year on points. But, like, Alma gave it to her. Like, really made it a hard fight. Had her in trouble with hands at some stages and was just, same thing, relentless. Landed some pretty sweet dumps and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see a year on with the Thailand. Maybe, I always think it was a year. Maybe I'm getting my years mixed up. But yeah, with this Thailand stint coming off, like the confidence that comes with getting a win over Zaza, how it changes mm. for those two rematching. Yeah, they both um, had stellar years, really. Massive years, yeah. Yeah, like traveling and that and fighting, like, you know, for world titles and yeah, fighting for gold medals and yeah. fighting the hardest people, like, really in the world. Yeah. That one. So, yeah, the. This should be primed to be a really good match. This is an A-class fight. This is like you could put this fight anywhere in the world and it's this is a truly elite level women's Muay Thai match. Nice. Yeah, really looking forward to that. And and Yolanda says, says like, you know, she's came to get on the podcast as well. Had a chat. Yeah, be cool. But this first of all was a sick fight. Like, mm. I was actually my nomination for the AMT mm. um, fight of the year, Australian yeah. Muay Thai Awards fight of the year because that was like one of the most exciting fights I saw this year. Yeah, that's true. Just yeah. back and forth action. It was close. It was pretty close. Like, I'm a one round in that fight. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how different it looks this time around. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So, um, much else on the Muay Thai scene, mate? Well, I think yeah. that's, that's pretty that's much that. covered okay. for now. Nice. Right, cool. So, let's move over to Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, so there's like um, actually a fair bit going on. Same thing again, all Australians as well going all over the world. Um, which event did you want to start with first, mate? Uh, have a look at Polaris. Um, I watched all of it the other week, so mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't get to rewatch it, so my memory might be vague. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, let's have a look. Mm-hmm. Lachlan Giles and Mancha Kera Munch. So the, <laughs> <laughs> they went to Munch by uh, decision. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. They sort of nullified each other a little bit. There was a bit of uh, um, was it the Zed guard sort of butterfly sweep attempts from Lachlan and, and Matcha was trying his sort of um, knee slide passing quite a bit. Mm. So I, I'm pretty sure Lachlan said after the match it was difficult for him to stop the pass because it was on his bad side. Fuck, so, he was retaining guard pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I did well. He retained it for most of it. He got, he got the pass eventually towards the end and tried a couple of uh, submission attempts, which is what got him got matching the decision. Yeah. But but in the end, it was it was a it was an interesting match. Probably wasn't the most exciting match on the card, but it was still interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want to I want to see Lockman Giles compete. Competing. I hope he still gets on these big events and these big cards. Like it's like was even with that one, like because uh, that was a that was a couple of weeks ago or so now. I think it was. And then, like, you know, he just recently just uh, did one in Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was like it was in the cage. It was like grappling match, but like, it was yeah. like, yeah. It, it was, was a Chinese promotion. Mm. I, can't, I can't remember the, you guys know the name of it. I can't remember the name of it. But it was oh, like WLF. A, WLF, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, that was like a three, best of three kind of format. I thought it was interesting for me. I didn't get to watch it, but I just sort of like, I read a report on it. Yeah, I read a report like he said, like he got a couple of submissions in, but then I go, what? It's like, but it's, you only fought the one dude, yeah. It sounded like you when you think of that, he goes, oh yeah, one one must have fought a couple of guys, submit them both. But yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah it's, it's funny. It's a, Best of three format. I don't know. I'd like to see it. it. Sounds interesting. Yeah, but um, yeah, good on Lachlan for having a go. He, he I think he took that on pretty short notice too, because that particular uh, that was for uh, the welterweight. 77 kilos. He took, I think he took that in a short notice because he was meant to go to the ADCC trials in um, 
Kyrgyzstan, one of the stands, yeah, out there, and they cancelled it on the last minute. Like they're at the, at the team was at the airport, Shit, waiting to go, and then they found out it got cancelled due to a lack of competitors. So, uh, yeah, is that, is that because of the, the the location of it, or people just the interest? Uh, personally, I think it's probably the location. They've had ADCC there before, like proper the proper worlds there, but it's yeah. I don't know. It's pretty hard to get to. 24 hours of travelling. No. Hard for us to get there. I can't imagine it's going to be easy for anyone. That's it. Um, but he got caught up for Polaris, so that was good. Mm. That's what made up for it. Because I think he turned that down initially to go to the ADCC trials. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, the, probably the most exciting match on that card was the Wagner, Wagner Hocha versus Benson Henderson. That was cool. That was all action. Go, go, go. The whole thing that got match of the night or whatever match of the event um i think i think henderson almost got to his back at one point too which nobody does to to wagner so that was pretty exciting to watch um yeah his technique was too good right compared to henderson henderson's got that more aggressive mma i'm gonna take you down kind of style um it works well for him because he just he just forces his opponents to defend Mm. just because he's pushing so hard but wagner's um technique was too sharp his timing was good. He's got really good technique. Eventually, he got to his back and tapped him with a rear naked choke. I thought he actually put Henderson out for a minute. He sort of like stumbled to his feet, half out, half recovering. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was exciting to watch. Um, yeah, I think they'll probably give Wagner a shot at the, the welterweight belt after that one. Yeah, so you like uh, Henderson jumping in a fair few jiu-jitsu swings now, that one. Yeah. How's he great, though? I don't know. I think he's exciting to watch. Double legged um, AJ Eggers are pretty solidly mm. off the stage. Everyone applauded to that. <laughs> it's something everyone wanted to see. Oh, yeah. Imagine so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think if he focuses on his grappling and jiu-jitsu, he'd be really, really good. Mm. He's already good. Yeah. But, you know, just uh, maybe more on the grappling technique and less on the wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's- I think he's just trying. He's kind of just part timing at the moment because he's still fighting pretty actively. Yeah, he's still active MMA. So considering his focus is probably on MMA, he's doing really well. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I like him. I like watching him. He's exciting to watch. Mm. Uh, you know, and that's and that's why they got the most exciting match of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Jones and Keenan Cornelius. So Craig Jones won that by split decision. Um, that was, uh, it probably wasn't, as, I was really anticipating that fight, but it probably wasn't as exciting as it could have been. Mm. Just because I think, I think they have similar sort of guard playing styles mm. and that sort of nullified each other a bit. Um, yeah, actually, so Craig Jones actually wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't just drop down and get that. He said, no, no, I'm going to actually wrestle him. I think his wrestling is getting better. He's yeah. definitely getting good at the wrestling. Um, he got a, I think it was a hit. Hit throwing on him. Mm. One, that was pretty slick. He got that one of his... Uh, what was it? What was the other event? He did a really cool... Was it Kasai? One of those ones. He did a really cool hit throw. Do you know style on his opponent there? That was good to watch. Um, and he did it again on Keenan on this one. Um, yeah, and he passed him too. <laughs> That's unusual. Yeah. He usually just sits on his butt. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was good pressure, good distance. Um, yeah, a lot of... Dalahiva and inverse Dalahiva guard playing, which is what you'd expect from those guys. Um, it was a bit of a scramble in the last, I think it was the last five minutes, they went into a bit of a scramble, and I think that's, that's when he got the takedown. Um, yeah, 
And I, I think because of the, the takedowns and the top scrambles, that's probably what got um, Craig the, the decision from the referees. Um, yeah. yeah, he had a good game plan, Craig, so that was good to watch. Is it like with those kind of rooms, do they have like just like three judges on the sides or something like that? Or? I think they had three judges that one. Does the ref have a say in it at all? Because um, usually, like, Polaris, you know, I think it was the judges. I think there's the judges, judges off to the side on that one. Yeah. Like, judges is like usually done that judges. It's like if it's a, if it's a decision, it's a, it's a ref's call. Yeah, judges. yeah, that's right. I mean, like, if it's at the Worlds, like I'm sure on this weekend, um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But if it's at the Worlds, you'll have like a, a judge in either corner of the mat and the referee, or, or referee. They have like basically three referees on the mat. Yeah. So I, I think they can overrule decisions by the main ref and things like that as well so yeah but it's a bit different when you've got a panel of judges um who else was on there who else was good oh nikki ryan versus imanari the famous um mma grappler um masakazu imanari so nikki ryan uh as expected he attacked the legs and there was a lot of that sort of leg entanglement going on but imanari really sort of Sort of balanced it all out. He kept, went through his own heel hook attacks, and it sort of um, yeah, it was all it was all pretty equal in the leg attack department and the leg locking he's department. Like, he's like one of the rigid digits. Yeah, that's the, right. The leg, leg lock attacks. Imanari roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the heel hooks. Yeah, he, he's an innovator in, in grappling for MMA. Um, but uh, he was too he was too hard to to get on the legs. So um, I think I think because they train under Danaher's system, they're probably a bit more well-rounded, those guys. So Nicky Ryan's, Gordon Ryan's brother and Gary Tone and all those guys train under, train at Henzo Gracie's gym in New York, for people who don't know, um, under John Danaher. He's one of the top coaches in the world at the moment. Um, yeah, he got to his back and he did a lot of uh, leg dragging and crab rides until he got there. I think that's how he worked his way around there. Um, once he got there, um, he got to the back, but it was like a... It was that Death Squad style rear naked face choke prank. I think he calls it a mandible choke. But you could see it, it cut off his air. Like a lot of guys won't tap to those sort of face cranky kind of stuff. But when he, after he tapped to it, you could see in his face. He was he like Imanari looked like he was gasping for air mm. on that one. So yeah, that was pretty effective. Nicky Ryan, Imanari's like 42 now, 42 years old now. Nicky Ryan is 17, just turned 17. So he's going to be. I think he's good now. Holy crap. Yeah. Wait, he's, wait for another eight to ten years, he's going to be a, a monster. He's going to be jacked like his brother. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't look anything like his brother. He's a baby-faced assassin. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty exciting to watch. Um, who else was good? I don't think I've missed anyone. Dan Strauss defeated uh, Satoshi Ishii by decision. Yeah, he kept... It, Dan Strauss, the, the Raspberry 8, yeah. he kept just... Pulling guard, go to seated guard, butt scoot, butt scoot. He even yelled out to the crowd at one point, I'm not standing with him, he's a judo gold medalist, Olympic medalist. <laughs> I'm not standing up. So, yeah, I don't blame him, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> he just get thrown. You don't need to be part of someone's highlight reel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but Strauss got the decision um, just because he um, threw out a lot of attacks in the early minutes. So that was cool. He's always entertaining, Dan Strauss. He's uh, he's been on a couple of quintets now as well. Yeah, yeah. Most of these guys have done quintet, I think. Yeah. I think anyway. like a lot of them just like a well, like well, Polaris seems to have a, a very heavy link with um, quintet, don't they? Because they're they're in Polaris team in the quintet. Yeah. Events, right? Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of cross pollination between 
Polaris and Quintet. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. Building up names. Yeah, it's good to see. Exciting events. Yeah. Well, it's like, so, like, that was uh, Polaris 8, which is, like, that's a UK event, yeah? Yeah, this one, the first one was in Wales, and then they had one in London and somewhere else, and now they've gone back to Wales. Um, but, yeah, they sort of moved around the UK a little bit. Yeah. I'd say that's a premier event in Europe at the moment. That's nice. on Fight Pass too. You can go back and watch them all. Mm. Go and watch them. They're cool. Yeah. <laughs> they even have some game matches on there as well. Yeah, they had a game match on this one. Um, they usually throw one in for the old school fans. It's funny, Gee's considered old school, is it? <laughs> uh, anyway, that was um, Santiri. Uh, it was worth watching too. Santiri, Lilius, uh, and Pedro Bessa. Yeah, so go back and watch that one. Mm-hmm. You get to see how the Gee works. Yeah, cool. All right, and so like I said, Polaris and then... What other uh, grappling events were on? Um, EBI 18, that was all for uh, all-female strawweights. That was, I watched most of that. That was pretty exciting. We had an Aussie, um, Aussie Purple Bear, oh, here we go with the name, Chisaki Akiyama. She replaced, um, what's that, uh, Livia, oh uh, man, sorry, I've forgotten your <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Sorry, Olivia. That, um, she busted her knee mm. in training. So, um, uh, Chisaki, Chisaki, she replaced her at the last minute. They're both from Absolute MMA. Yeah, Absolute MMA, MMA in Melbourne. Um, she lost her opening her opening round to um, Patty Fontes in round one. But, you know, Fontes, she's like a world gold medalist in Nogi at IBJJF and things like that. So yeah, she she got taken out in the first round, unfortunately, um, but uh, it was still heaps of good fights going through. I think the finals was uh, who was in the final? Sorry, I got to look it up. Um, I think the final was Fontes and uh, Misa Bastos. She's another world champion, um, and I think they faced off. I think they faced off this weekend again as well. The Nogi Worlds. Yeah. Rematch. Yeah, it was a rematch. <laughs> With points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fontes lost to Bastos um, in overtime. So, yeah, the EBI. Was there many overtimes for this event? Or? Yeah, it's quite a few. It seems to be like a, 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 it seems to be, I don't know if it, it might not be a game plan, but it's, it's, you're seeing a lot more overtimes happening in EBI now, and it's kind of making it like, yeah, uh, you know, a little bit too drawn out. I don't know if there's like, you know, there's some sort of, I don't know, or engagement or something to make it a little bit more like what it used to be, you know, just fucking people just hammering submissions. Well, you think you think twenty grand would be enough incentive to want to tap someone. Mm. So yeah. if you don't if you don't tap someone in in regulation time, you're basically losing five grand yeah. if you're progressing to the next round. Mm. So if you tap everyone in all four rounds, you're going to get twenty grand. Yeah. I thought that'd be heaps of incentive, but you know, apparently prestige is worth more. Yeah. <laughs> this is, they're just uh, too used to the old jujitsu mindset, you know, when you just think it's shit. <laughs> the worst yeah. pro jujitsu. Yeah, all the Absolutely. athletes, they're all, used to, they're all used to not getting paid. That's the problem. Um, yeah, there's heaps of overtime. But, you know, I, I think a bit of it is gaming the system. But, man, you want to get paid, go for the finish. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was pretty good. Uh, was there any super fights on that? There was. Any slap jujitsu? <laughs> no, there was no slap jitsu on that. I don't know. I can't get into the slap jitsu. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. It's not grappling. It's not MMA. Oh, it is grappling. Hey, I'll, but, I'll tell you, you know. what, though. If Gordon Ron versus Fabricia Vidum in a slap jitsu match, which they're saying, I go, I'll watch that. Yeah, I'll watch that. That's coming out I won't pay February. for it, but I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll, I'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on Fight Pass. <laughs> yeah. no, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely watch that. Mm. I've tried watching the last CJJ one. I'm just like, eh, I don't know, man. Actually, I only I only watch it if Wagner Roach is in there because he actually TKOs dudes. Or he does like that, you know, this logs people just just does the old like you know cover your mouth choke. Yeah, I'll <laughs> suffocate you by cupping your mouth with my hand. Yeah, uh, yeah. So EBI, yeah, check it out. Um, there were some good fights, even though there were quite a few overtimes. If you want to see some really good submission grappling, that's a good one to watch. So um, at the moment now, like even as we speak, no, no gay worlds is going on. Yeah, that's right. The worlds are on this weekend, and I'm trying to be updating it as we're talking. Uh, the one everyone was talking about was Gordon Ryan. So I think his first his first match, he won 47 points to zero. <laughs> so he just totally victimised someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then he went on and he fought... Um, hang on, let's look it up. Uh, he fought Yuri Samoas. Oh, how did that turn out? I know he beat him. I saw like I, I didn't see the match, but I saw like he, he got like eleven points on Yuri, and Yuri got nothing on him. Yeah, which is like insane. I know <laughs> eleven zero didn't even score against him. I don't know if there are any advantages or anything going on there. Mm. Yeah, eleven zero. Um, I've got to go to the match reports for this because it's on flow grappling. So good luck watching any footage. Um, <laughs> too many streaming services now. Yeah, way too many streaming oh, yeah. services. Yeah, yeah. Just get just get Fight Pass. Jesus. You get the more, more events on that. See how it goes, though. Like, you know, if they change the ESPN, are they going to do something, say, another kind of streaming service as well? Or is, yeah, they're going to ask you to subscribe to two streaming services. Oh, God, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Disney own ESPN, and they've got their own streaming service coming out next year. So, hmm. yeah. See how that goes. That's where all the Marvel shows are going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're already moving <laughs> Netflix, Netflix is just going, like, oh, we don't, we're not running this show anymore. Yeah, that's so it. That's going to mysteriously appear on Disney Channel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see how ESPN deal goes. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, in the, that was the male ultra heavyweight Gordon Ryan defeated Yuri Samaras eleven zero. So apparently he was testing the IBJJF's reaping rules to the limit. He was using leg lace position. Uh, that's how he swept Samaras tw- twice, sure. rather than attack for their prohibited submissions like heel hooks and you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But. Um, the final sweep came with around a minute left, and Ryan passed and mounted Samoas. That's why he got that huge 11 points to yeah. zero. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Ching Ching racked up those points. Mm-hmm. Um, he met uh, Cyborg, Roberto Abreu, in the final. Wow. All I read about that was just eight. Even though they sound flag grappling. A lack, lackluster ending. Uh, to the ultra heavyweight division, Cyborg conceded two points via repeated penalties for passivity, inactivity, and then he got DQ'd for slapping Ryan in the face. <laughs> Why? Why? What the hell? I think Gordon Ryan posted on his Twitter that it was his first um, CJJ match. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ryan worked exclusively from seated guard the entire match and struggled to make a real connection with Cyborg. So Cyborg mostly stayed on the outside and avoided getting in too deep into Ryan's game. He did a Brendan Schwab. He Schwabbed, which is ironic because he's the one that fought Schwab. 
Um, yeah, he got uh, because of Cyborg's DQ. Uh, Yui Samuro's got the silver. Oh yeah. Mm. So they said fuck it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they just went go away. That makes sense. You get nothing. Yeah. Damn, it's not. That's not bad. I'm down. I'm good with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know what Cyborg was thinking. I've always sort of admired that guy. Anyway, I haven't watched it, so who knows? Brazilians going to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan and Samoa said they had a rematch in the absolute as well. Uh, oh, Ryan only barely got through on that by one advantage. Mm. Um, Samoa's played a careful strategy, obviously developed with his coach, Kautera, who worked to pass without getting sucked into Gordon's leg entanglements. It worked for almost the full match, say for a moment earlier where Gordon got an advantage for a near butterfly guard sweep in the first minute. There you go. That's I, how I don't it... get advantages. Yeah. It's like, good job for trying. Good job for <laughs> almost sweeping somebody. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a fan of advantages. I mean, I, so, I, they have them for a reason, but mm. yeah. It is the participation award of judges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, like, if it didn't go to no points, though, is that a rest decision or would they just keep like, doing overtime like usually? Uh, no, nah, that would just would have... If there was no advantage, it would just would have gone to a referee decision. Yeah. So they, he probably would have won it on a rest decision anyway if the ref viewed him as doing more. Yeah. Yeah, it probably would have gone that way. But I guess they have advantages and penalties just to eliminate that referee decision or minimise it. Yeah. That process there. Hmm. But I don't know. Just go to panel the judges or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else was good on that? Flick through it. See who did what. Just uh, keep everyone updated. Uh, oh, Tim Spriggs. This was probably the best showing ever for American teams as well. No. I think I think there were five gold medals that went to Americans instead of all Brazilians. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tim Spriggs... He got gold. He defeated Jackson Souza. That was a rest decision in the final and uh, in the male heavyweight division. Josh Hinger, um, he beat Marcus Tinoco with a north-south choke. So that's pretty cool. He only barely... Oh, he had a good semi-final match against um, Mathis Dinners, one of Marcelo Garcia's black belts. He beat him eight points to five, but that was incredibly close. Dinners got a... Um, was it a Japanese necktie on him? Mm. I think I think he almost tapped to it and then just ran out of time. <laughs> so it was saved by the bell on that one. I'm going to go back and watch that in its entirety, that, that match. That was a really good fight, apparently. Uh, hang on, who else we got? Uh, Hugo Marquez defeated Jamie Canuto, two points to zero in middleweight. Lightweight. Oh, that was a good one, too. Gianni Grippo, he's another one of Marcelo Garcia's black belts. He defeated Maria Andre with rear naked choke. So he was down on points as well. That's incredibly hard to come back in a, in a IBJJF format. It's really hard to come back when you're down on points. So um, he submitted um, Andre with a minute left in the match. He was down, down two points. He passed and went straight to his back. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that got him the win. One uh, of the featherweight. Uh, Kennedy Marcial defeated Gilson Nunes 2-0. Uh, in the light featherweight. Jiao uh, Miao. I think he beat Tomoyuki Ashimoto. Uh, that was a decision. 
Got a lot of decisions and fights. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they were the most interesting ones I could find. And then the female divisions. Let's have a quick flip through there. I think Thea Mesquita, she, she won the last EBI. She just won absolute and female against Jessica Flowers by two advantages. So that was pretty close. Jessica Flowers got the super heavyweight female. She got a Kimura submission on Nivia Mura. And who else was good on that? Uh, middleweight was Beatrice again. Uh, I'm trying to find that one. Uh, here we go. Maasa Bastos. Yeah, that was a rematch against Patty Fontes from EBI. From that last weekend's EBI. She got rear naked choke on her on this one. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so more submissions in the female fights. Yeah. What does that tell you? <laughs> They're going after it. Going after it. Well, it's funny, like, you know, not as many on EBI, but go to IBJF and no gee rolls. They're just submitting each other left, right, and center. Yeah. They want people to watch. I don't know. I don't like watching the, the females fight. Yeah. It's yeah. good. They go for more technical stuff, more submissions. All right. Sweet. So, that's from the little bit of the jiu-jitsu world there, eh? Not much else going on. Um, uh, no, I think that was it. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, from that, now we're going to MMA. Yeah, just mostly all the UFC kind of stuff. And we'll go back a little bit from there. So, <clears throat> there was one in Australia, in Radelaide, from that. Uh, so, just talk about a few of the fighters on there. Um, Australia didn't do very good. <laughs> Except for one dude, Jim Jim Crute. Um, I think he trains with Jake Matthews in Melbourne. There, um, he got the win against Paul Craig. That submission of Kimura in the third round, um, banger of a fight. And they're like, you know, just two light heavy, uh, heavyweight dudes just really going at it from there. Paul Craig from Scotland, more of a ground specialist working from that. But like, um, but it was like a pretty like a, I wouldn't say technical match. But uh, like you know, it's just like a pretty much. Like, it's just like one of those fights where you, know, you can't just sit back and go, yeah, I just enjoy this. Just in pure entertainment value. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another fight we'll talk about later coming up, when we're especially in the light heavyweight division. It seems like that we'll talk about that one as well, which was just pure entertainment to watch as well. But uh, Jim Crute was like, um, let me see, I think the only Australian to win. Oh no, uh, yeah, he was the only Australian to win on that at LA card from there. Um, so just quickly going through, talk, I don't talk about a few of them, but like, you know, other strains on there, like Suman Mokhtarian was on there, made his good debut. Uh, he lost against uh, Sadiq Youssef from there, from Nigeria, looks yeah. like. Um, yeah, just like, you know, just got it, like, you know, just couldn't answer the punches in the first round for there. Um, Jake Mashus versus uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, or just, yeah, Tony Martin sometimes known as from there. Um, lost by uh, Anaconda Choke. Third of the third round. Jack Matthews himself, like, pretty good grappler. Yeah. And that, but, like, you know, just, yeah. And, like, you know, how often do you see an anaconda choke nowadays? Yeah. <laughs> especially in MMA. Sometimes, like, you know, I could imagine it'd be kind of hard, especially with the gloves, kind of slipping it through, getting there. I rated Matthews in that fight, but I think he just wore him down. Mm. Like, Matthews really is like, fuck, he's too big. <laughs> he's just, yeah. You could see he was, like, he was pretty fucking tired by the end of yeah. it. Yeah. And then that's, I think that's always going to be his problem if the dude's there, like, you know, still kind of there physically with him. From there, um, yeah, it's just going to gas a little bit yeah. too much. But, like, moving up for him, probably not a bad idea. Like, you know, probably should have a hard think about, like, you know, think about moving up. Crazy was at 70 kilos. Not yeah. that long ago, really. Yeah. He was at 155. Hmm. And then it's like, he was at 70. Really, 185 is probably his class. Oh, yeah. 
Who knows? He might end up like Anthony Johnson one day. Could do. <laughs> There's a couple guys like that. You start to see the moves now. Some of them, like they, they used to be like real light and they're really kind of, and they're moving up divisions and like even looking more massive. Yeah. There. It's like yeah, why limit yourself? A lot of times. Um. So yep, lost that one. Uh, Mark Hunt versus Justin Wills from America. Um, lost the decision. I didn't actually watch that fight from there. Because I didn't feel like having the sads. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, from what I heard, it sounded like, you know, pretty lackluster performance. Like, Justin Wills just didn't really want to, like, sit in front of Hunt, which, of course, Mark Hunt just, just, wants, to, just wants to bang. Yeah, Hunt yeah. just tried to stalk him, mm-hmm. and it, he, couldn't, he couldn't get the game he wanted. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't get the entry he wanted. Yeah, and, like, yeah, I guess, like, just, uh, Justin Willis uh, did the right thing, used his footwork, danced around, and, like, really, I guess, like, just kind of picked it off the points yeah. at the end of the day. All right, so going to the fights I did watch, so I, I watched uh, Mauricio Hua, Shogun, versus uh, Tyson Pedro. Um, look, I like Tyson Pedro, like how yeah. he looks from there. Um, same we'll talk about Tai Tuivasa. Like they, I think they've been doing their camps out of Tiger Muay Thai. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know if it's one of those things with both of them, really. It's like, um, like you know, awesome athletes, um, offensively great fighters. Defense needs some work. But I don't know if it's like one of those ones where like, if there's any sort of game planning done before the fight or their lack of discipline to stick to a game plan. Yeah. As well. Like, um, Tyson Pedro, like, you know, looks at times like he could be like a fucking champion. Like, in this fight, like, uh, standing up against Shogun, he fucking lit him up in that first round. Yeah. And that. Uh, and then and then in the second round, I know, and, and at the end of the first round there, I saw him going for that fucking Kimura again, just dropping back and <laughs> trying to mm-hmm. hunt, hunt the Kimura. Like, you know, instead of like just maintaining a good clinching position, he goes, well, I think there's a Kimura here. I'm just going to fall back. Yeah. And that's what kind of did him in OSP fight as well. It's like one of those ones where it's like, all right, like um, you're winning in a certain position. Why are we, we changing that? Yeah. Because especially in like in the clinch positions as well, like um, like on the outside, like picking, like picking, he was picking great shots on on uh, the Shogun. But, and then like, then he'd go into the clinch and then start losing it, like, his showroom was uh, coming back, especially in the first, uh, and especially in the second round as well. Like, I thought you know, Shogun was in big trouble. Mm. I thought he was going to get cooked, but yeah. Yeah, but he just decided to clinch. Yeah. From there, like, you know, um, probably fancy himself as a grappler, but like, really, like, just, I think mean, he just needs to stay on the outside a lot more on these, on these guys. He's got the frame too. Yeah, it's long. He's got a good eye for it. Yeah. That one. And then, like, you know, in this fight, he's like, yeah, Shogun came back. Pretty good. Like, I just took him to the ground and kind of controlled him a lot. Really tied him out. And then you saw it in the third round, like, Tyson Pedro was just fucking, just tied. Yeah. Nothing much there happened from there. And then it just kind of led into, like, you know, um, uh, him losing it right the, right towards the end there, like, by punches. Like, got same thing, got hit on the ground. Um, and then I think there was, there was uh, maybe the commentary team was talking about an injury of some sort in there, but... On Pedro? Uh, yeah. Something like that. Okay, eh. He just got hurt. Yeah, he's hobbling around on crutches now. Yeah. I think he's MCL or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just gave out. But, yeah. But, like, you know, um, like, you know, he lost against, like, so now it's like, he lost against Shogun, he lost against OSP, which is not bad knocks. Nah. Some of the stand hard in the But also, so that as well, like, he could have won those fights. Yeah. He could have won them. And he won them where, like, you know, in the striking exchanges at yeah. times as well. Lost them. Lost him in the grappling exchanges. Yeah. <laughs> you can see where the weakness is. Everyone's in love with stand-up in Australia. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's a... No, they're looking at me now. <laughs> <laughs> All i got to say is like, 
And they do a fucking Kimura from the top, man. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Like, you know, he's like, he, he keeps doing it from the bottom there. It's like, it's just not winning. I know he's got one Kimura win, though, in the UFC. You got a taste for it. From there, and, the, 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 and then these ones are kind of costing him now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, main event, though. Uh, so, Junior DeSantis versus Tai Tuvasa from there. It was a decent fight. Like, uh, Tai Tuvasa really had Junior DeSantis a um, bit wobbled in the first ra- in the first round. Picked some good shots. Um, but Junior DeSantis was going pretty good there. He's pretty crafty. Like, his footwork was on point. Um, he's hitting the jab from there pretty nicely, like he always does from that. And um, Tai Tuvasa, I think, just needed a little bit more... Ring craft, yeah, like just kind of thing. Just like he was kind of trying to cut him off a little bit, but uh, he'd let uh, JDS like take exits out. Like, he'd like you know, if you know, watch JDS fight, like he will run himself in the fence. Uh, tied two of us that did capitalize and like you know, try and push him against the fence, and but like he'll still let him turn out of the clinch, but not let him pay for turning out of the clinch, yeah, there. like you know. It was turning into his right hand or turning to the left hook, but like two of us just wasn't quite capitalizing on it a bit. Probably, if anything as well, probably could have low kicked a bit more. Yeah. Like the, the couple of times he did, fuck, he almost like took the legs out of like as he would, yeah, yeah. Um, but like same thing again. I think it's just like um, just a little bit more discipline in the game planning. Yeah. From there. Juniors, you can see same with Shogun. You can see the experience coming through when they needed it. Mm. You know what I mean? When they're on the back foot and they're starting to get gassed and they're hurt, mm-hmm. you can just see all the they pull all these little tricks out of their bag. Yeah, and like you know what happened in the second round was that like. Walked himself to the fence. So Vasa, like, you know, was getting a few good shots in and just kind of just really just probably just ran into it too hard from a little too far out. And JDS caught him a couple of times coming in and then just turned off the corner in that L turn kind of shape and just kind of plugged him with the right hand. Yeah. Hit the ground. And then, fuck, as soon as it hit the ground there, mate, fuck, it just, it just didn't look good. You know, you could tell, like, um, maybe Tai Tuvasa was pretty rocked and I imagine he would have been. But, like, his uh, ground skills are just not there at all. Like, he's trying to punch off the bottom. Yeah, I've never seen such a thing. Like you know, it's like I know the mechanics just don't work for that. But like, fuck, you know, try and hip bump. You know, try and improve your position. Try and get out of mount. Don't don't just like go there. Like, ah, I'm just gonna try and knock him out from the bottom position off of that. I think that's the point they were making after in the post fight analysis. It's just like, yeah, the Australians got to work on their ground game. You've got to be able to work those escapes. Yeah, look, um, it's it's one of those things. Well, like you know, I'll be I'll be very interested in the stats win the losses for Tiger Muay Thai's MMA team from there because I don't think it's that great to be honest but like and it's one of those ones as well like you know yeah you go like that they used to train a Lions high performance yeah and the guy Sean Sullivan used to own a great dude from there they get, and they did well I think under like that kind of structure they made big strides under that gym mm. unfortunately that gym closed down yeah that one, that and sad. they turned the Tiger Muay Thai and honestly I haven't seen any improvement from both not really. Like, you know, offensive-wise, like, yeah, of course, but that's easy. It's like, if you've got a good coach, and like, especially, like, like there's enough ties in that, they'll teach you how to punch and kick like a machine. Yeah. But that's, like, unfortunately, that's not the only level that's required in fighting. Not at that level. Mm. Like, they're kind of, because they are raising, they're, they're fucking raising up real quick in the division. Yeah. There. And then now we're starting to see, like, some of the roadblocks. Just the trouble is, they're both, like, popular... Athletic and in empty divisions, which mm. means you just get to jump the queue straight. I mean, like there is no queue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you just go straight to the front end, and it's like, yeah, that can come with some kind of. Well, was it like Tyson Russell? Like, had like one UFC fight, and then straight away like yeah, Andre Lasky. Two maybe, but yeah. yeah, not a lot. And then oh yeah, no, he had fought Cyril. 
Asuka, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, yeah, Andre Oloski and then JDS. That's a pretty far... That's a huge gap in that's, experience. That's a massive leap. And, like, those kind of um, progressing fights don't really exist that heavyweight. You mm. kind of fight nobody or you fight the top end. A lot of the time, that's how heavyweight looks. And light heavyweight's not that different. Nah, not at all. Um, but probably, like, yeah, even from this, like, even Tyson Pedro, that's, like, probably these two losses would be good because, like, now that he can actually go backwards yeah. and get a few more fights like at the lower levels from there. That one, and like, you know, definitely like, like to see these guys get more experience from that one. Maybe even a change of camp. Yeah. <laughs> Who's running the big show at Tiger Muay Thai? I do. Not I don't know much about that. Like, I don't really know enough about that camp to comment on it, but yeah, I don't know about Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah, it's just, it, look, it's just, it's kind of like, if they were really like getting a lot of wins, you'd know who the coach was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like because it, it's not really happening. It's like you. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. have. All, they tend to have a fairly strong international like Muay Thai and kickboxing side, mm. but they just scout. Like it's really hard to say because they kind of just like any Thai camp is like they'll just pick guys up from other camps and just give them a roof, and then it doesn't really tell you that much when you're not seeing them get developed from the ground up. They just just they get scouted from other camps and start living full time at a Thai guard. Mm-hmm. Like they're. They perform well in, um, they perform really, really well in fights in Phuket, but they also um, perform well in uh, fights internationally, like in big promotions like in China and stuff, but they just kind of take the guys from other camps in Thailand mm. and then just slap the Tiger Muay Thai sticker on them. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, so they just got the money to sponsor athletes? And yeah, they sponsor yeah. a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's uh, that was UFC Adelaide from that. Um, Fight night one four two. <laughs> so jumping after that, there there was um there was a really good fight card like uh UFC two three one uh Holloway versus Ortega. Um, what's the I want to talk about that fight. I wanted to talk about um light heavyweight Thiago uh, Santos versus Jimmy Manoa. Oh, great fight. Oh fuck, <laughs> two shit eating wild men going at it. That was just awesome. I it's like I beg you to go watch that fight. Great fight. It's just like, it's one of those ones, you don't have to break it down. You just don't worry about it, it, yeah. Just like, good. Thiago Santos, like, at one point, like, you know, does a spinning kick, misses, spins again, spins a third time to go into some sort of, like, you know, some kind of flying uh, flying kick from that one. Completely misses that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but this gets back up and goes, no, I don't care. <laughs> but, like, um, both of them, especially in the first round, they, like, you know, just fucked each other up. Like, um... Both had each other wobbly legs from there. Um, but, like, you know, as talked about before, about people going away, like, Thiago Santos, uh, like, now is at light heavyweight, but he was also, he had fights at 170 at that yeah. point from there. So, like, you know, and even, like, 185, he still looked drained. Yeah. But now here in light heavyweight, he's like a murderer. Yeah, he just doesn't, good. doesn't care at all. He just, like, he just keeps going also. <laughs> and he had a sweet tattoo of a hammer. What was it? <laughs> a hammer? On his chest. Yeah. <laughs> he is the hammer of four. <laughs> but but that seems to be the common trend. Like, you know, you're just getting these ultra-athletic um, blown-up middleweights or like, well, really, he's not he's not blown-up middleweight. He's a true light heavyweight from there. Light heavyweight, you stop kidding yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm um, just coming through and like, just like, you know, just wrecking shopping on all these uh, other uh, older, uh, older heavyweights, uh, light heavyweights. Like him, uh, Anthony Smith was also one as well. From there, like, you know, just really run a shop on it. Um, this as well. So, yeah, in the end, uh, Thiago Santos won. 
but uh, by KO in the second round, just like basically just flatlined him now. And I just liked afterwards as well, like you know, after all the crazy shit you saw, he just he's just strutting around, just goes, yeah, that's how that's how I planned it. <laughs> it's just like just cocky goes yep it's like he just gives himself like a little bit of like a graduate shake uh, and nod he goes yep that's how I imagine it going exactly how I envision it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like um, but in all that that card wasn't too bad really um, that was a good show uh, well, a couple of fights that I watched on there where is it uh, Elias Fedora versus Eric Anders I thought it was good I'd probably score that for Anders that fight from there, but I went to a split decision to Elias Fedora. Um, and as I thought, like, you know, just like, was kind of landing more telling shots from there. Like, you know, Elias Fedora, they like, he was throwing a lot of, like, just shit in the air. Like, you know, flicking up kicks. Like, I, I, I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to keep Eric Anders busy and trying, like, you know, avoid his power and things like that. But, like, um, but Eric Anders still found his power, especially in the second round. Really had Elias Fedora, like, in one of the legs. I thought he was going to go out. So, all props to him. He stayed in there and, like, you know, and, and just still took the three, uh, still ended up taking all three rounds and winning a split decision. Um, going from that one, Gilbert Burns versus Oliver uh, Auburn and Mercier. Um, that was a really good fight, uh, good showing by Burns. Like, he's sometimes this person that you see goes you know, a little bit hot and cold. Yeah. Like sometimes he looks like really awesome, and then other times like just like I don't know, like, like just kind of going for the motions. But but um, Gilbert Burns. Uh, I think he used to be like he's uh, a no gi champion. Yeah, point there. Yeah. Like, um, didn't have to really show much of his grappling off in this one. Like he, he really picked his strikes well. He counted uh, Olivia a couple of times and really knocked him, like um, <clears throat> knocked him for six for, for a lot of check hooks, in particular. Um, oh, Messi has like it was one of those exchanges. I think was most of the time he has the advantage like grapp- out grappling people, but. When you're going against someone like Gilbert Burns, and you can't get it to the ground, and yeah. you're kind of forced to set it up from there. It's like, yeah, it just just wasn't his night. Same thing. Like he won all three rounds, and there was a lot of times there. I just go, I thought he was going to go out. He got knocked down a fair few times from that hook, but he just like, yep, yeah, just kept keep going back up and just kind of finding his way through it. Let's see. Right. So yeah, uh, Gunnar Nelson versus the Brazilian cowboy. Alex Oliveira. The other cowboy. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> so this fight was like, um, it was it was interesting in some fact. Like I only watched a little bit of it from there, but like Alex Oliveira, you know, king of the, like he's also like a king of the Dondasso. Yeah, he does <laughs> not mind a cheeky, Especially, cheeky rule break. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, doing the old fence grab. This one, I didn't I didn't know about the restart though, because like you know, he did grab the fence, but. Garner still took him down a little bit, and then the ref just goes, fuck, you can't take talk the fence, mate. But they, he stood him back up, but he stood him against the fence. Still. It was kind of a, like, a reset to Gunner's disadvantage, almost. Yeah. Like, it's like Gunner still got the takedown when he was grabbing the fence. So he's like, hey, you can't do that, and then just made him get the takedown again. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> he kind of can't restart them if the foul didn't, didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't know about that one. Like, in terms of the rest of it, like, you know, sometimes shit happens on the fly, you know, we all make human errors. Um, but in the end, like, uh, Gunnar Nelson won that one. Like, he, he did get, eventually get his ground game working from there. And, like, um, I was like, I didn't really have any answers for it. Like, you, know, you, got, you got mounted and got fucking knocked with a couple of good elbows that just split him wide open from there. And the amount of blood that, like, came out of Alex Oliver was, like, you know, just insane. That fight. Yeah, there's a lot of blood. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, eventually, like... From there, uh, Gunner took his back and applied the rear naked choke 
and just tapped out. But I don't know if it was one of those ones if the choke took him out or like you like saw Alex Oliveira's face and just tapped out from the amount of blood that was just burning. It looked that way. Um, I'd say <laughs> yeah. probably slightly fatigued and dizzy from the blood loss. Because <laughs> like you said, Chuck, yeah. he, he's getting choked and it's almost like a super soaker came out of his head. <laughs> he goes, oh shit, I better tap. That's too much blood. Take me to the hospital. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and then, okay, so we're going to the main event fights from there. So we had uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Joanna, uh, former champion, Jen <laughs> <laughs> Jacek. Um, yeah, I guess this is like, you know, this is the fight that kind of like, you know, if you watched a lot of the, uh, their Muay Thai encounters. Yeah. It's pretty similar. It was actually remarkably similar. But um, Shevchenko sort of has one of the best styles as far as transferring from Muay Thai to MMA. Because mm. so much of her style was like just like the dirty, low, clinch to take down style, which yep. lands you pretty much exactly in side control. Like you sort of just grip hard on the body, secure the waist, and then mm-hmm. drop down into what is kind of side control and then they get stood back up. Yeah. So it's like it's a takedown style that works really well for MMA. It's just all it's like it's largely strength based. Yeah. And then just it's like a no, like a lot of like the troops and dumps from Muay Thai, are, you could work them fine in MMA, but they work with space. Mm. Like your troops are like the objective a lot of time is to actually clearly throw, which doesn't help you in position. It's just you completely separate from your opponent. Whereas like the way that Shevchenko does it, she drops herself right down on like she'll wear you out on the inside in the clinch, then drops herself kind of right on top into side control. So it works for ground control as well. Mm. So you got that over under hook control. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, um, on the outside as well, it's a little bit more of, like, a that European sort of, like, Dutch kickboxing style to mix in with it, which transfers well to MMA too. So she works well in combination, good hands, and then when it ties up, it's very, like, very almost, like, Greco-Roman takedown-oriented, like, rather than trip dump style. So it's like, yeah, and look, the way that she, like, she sort of, when they fought in Muay Thai, she kind of just overwhelmed her and dumped her over and over again. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened here, but obviously when the dumps happen, like off of the cage or wherever the fight continued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, just, yeah, and it just didn't really have an answer to get out of that side control position. And Shevchenko too big. Yeah. <laughs> I think, because like this was for the the 125 belt yeah. from there. Uh, I think it was, I was listening to a podcast. They were saying like the stats were something like, so like, what do you get? The 125 belt is like a lot of like band weights going down, a lot of straw weights going up there. And really, like the and what you're finding from there, so every matchup that's been like that, and a lot of them is like a like a former straw versus former bantamweight yeah. from that one. Bantamweights have won seven to one. Yeah, fights. And yeah. you're seeing like, especially when you go that size, and with like the sizing, like women are built differently to men. It's like when you're seeing a bantamweight go down and a strawweight come up, the size difference is monstrous. Mm. Like I thought. Um, Shevchenko looked twice the size. Like the, yeah, the amount, frame wise, they were pretty similar, and then just Shevchenko just a lot thick, more densely muscled. Mm-hmm. And people were kind of talking about like, oh, this is Shevchenko's weight class. I think Shevchenko just cut more to get into a different weight class. I don't think this was a real thing where she was just massively undersized at yeah. bantamweight. I think she was a perfectly sized bantamweight. Really, she just can't make one twenty five. Mm. Well, that's right. You know, <clears throat> like in like the only two really main losses she ever had in. Bantamweight was against Manny Nunes. And that second one's pretty contentious. Yeah, the split. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, so, like, you know, the division itself, like, from there, so, yeah, Valentina's now the champion. Mm. The way they what now? wanted it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what are you going to do now? you got no one. You, you kind of really used up your fight. 
So for that, I really yeah. think looking at this, it's like you don't like. I get why they do the titles, why there's so many interim titles. If you find a good fight like Shevchenko versus Jay Hook, that's a legitimately good fight. Just put it on, settle the weight at 125, and then send them both back to their weight classes. Like, you don't have to pretend there's a weight class there. Yeah, that's right. Just do 100. Like, you don't have to... The, the weird thing with um, the UFC now is they won't do a fight at a weight unless they're going to put a title on it and try to build a division, but it doesn't work. Like, when they brought Cyborg in, just do feature fights if you can find them. Don't pretend you have a featherweight division. Yeah. Yeah. When you get like a 35 that wants to fight a 115 fighter, do it at 25. Mm. If there's enough interest, then build a title. Don't just slap the title on straight away and then just let the champion sit idle. Mm. Like I imagine Chevchenko ends up taking fights at 135 again now. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there's nothing for him to do at 25. I guess they do like that original champion, Nico Montano, probably. Just... It's like they're even talking Jessica Rye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I can imagine that, like a... Yeah, one one twenty-five titles. Shevchenko versus Jessica I. Jessica I. Unless it's a Twitter battle, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, it's, it's even that fight itself. It was it was clear cut decision for Shevchenko. Like, unfortunately, like, you know, watching it be like Joanna said, just breaking my heart from that one. Yeah. <laughs> watching my girl lose. Yeah, I've been a bit <laughs> like that lately. But it was one of those ones where it's like, um, there was no chance. There was no like even the. They fought previously, and both have you know adapted themselves to MMA and changed over the years and things like that. Like, Joanna didn't change anything, which yeah. is like, which, which was kind of really disappointing, actually. I think a lot for Joanna. What I see here is like her mindset will not allow her to change because mm. she comes out of fights and it's the way cuts fault, and then she won the second rose fight, and it's mm. like until you start to kind of own up to your losses a little bit, you're not in a changed positive mindset. Mm. It's like the way that everything's got like a, another reason. She didn't lose, honestly. It's like, oh, I'm still the best. I just had a bad weight cut. And I'm still number one. I just lost yeah. a bad judges call. It's like, you're not mm. going to make changes if you're coming out of fights believing like you didn't really lose. Mm. She's at ACT and I know she's got good grappling coaches and yeah. good all-run coaches. Mm. So it's not like her game... The overall game should be suffering. There should be some uh, sort of progression there. Well, because she also said after this fight, I'm going back down to 115, which is fair. I think that's a better class for her. And I'll wait for a title shot. <laughs> Don't think so. It's like, uh, you know, so you can't come off that. You can't, Having... you can't come off like winning against Tisha Torres and then losing against Shevchenko and then go, yep, time for me to have a title shot again. Yeah. Well, it's like lost three or four as well with two losses to the champion. Yeah. That take, that's a hard sell. Like, I think they could do a third one eventually. Like, especially after that second fight, it was close. Like that, that was the second fight was close enough to make me feel like Joanna with the right preparations capable of beating Rose. Mm. Um, was competitive enough in that regard, but not one you'd run back straight away and just have Rose fight yeah. Joanna three consecutive times. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see like even when Rose fights again because she's been on the shelf for a bit. I think she's actually even saying she's still shell shocked from that bus incident. Yeah, I heard that. But um, look, even if I look down this card here, that from there, um, even like put Joanna versus uh, Nina Askarov, that was a good fight. Like, like Nina Askarov won against like uh, Cordelia uh, Gadelia. Yeah, it's a good fight. And, and pieced her up really. Pieced her up, yeah. Yeah, and that one. So like, you know, and she seems to be on a hot streak at the moment. So like, you know, and put those two in like a super fight, or like, yeah. you know, like you know, like a main, like a title, uh, a five rounder fight would be good on that one. Yeah, like three rounder. I don't think there's a problem having super fights, though. If yeah. you've got weak divisions and there's no one on the horizon, why not have some few super fights thrown into a card? That's right. 
Alright, so going to the main event from this, and Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. Alright, I'll say straight off the bat, I did pick Brian Ortega, and I was fucking wrong. Real wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, you know, it's one of those fights where, like, it's, it's like, um, it, it was going to even go two ways. Like, you know, Brian Ortega, you could probably argue, has never actually won a round. On the on, on scorecards, he's not won a lot of rounds. Yeah, yeah, like in his whole UFC career, but he's always pulled out, like you know, I mean, knocking people out or just having just an awesome submission game from that one. So you can see, like you know, as Max Holloway did, like just pieced him up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like you could see Brian Ortega just pulling the rabbit out of the hat, like you know, go, oh, let's get to the ground from there. But like you know, this fight itself, like you know, it wasn't like Brian Ortega didn't try to take it to the ground. Just Max was just too good. He just like you know, used his frames, used his footwork like that, and. Really, just like you know, just snowball. Yeah, <laughs> snowball. I think the real reason the betting was even because the betting finished dead even for this fight. There was no favorite. Mm. I think the reason was there was questions around Max's health. Mm. And I, like I think even in the wanes and stuff, looking at him in interviews, you go, "Is he doing okay?" That's yeah, what like, I kept reading. Do you reckon it was a bit of foxing though from his camp? Or? Maybe I don't know. Like, he does cut a lot of weight, mm. and he does sort of look like he's had a stroke when he does press, <laughs> but performed fine. Yeah. I think answered a lot of questions about how his health was holding up. What about Ortega's strategy, though? I mean, standing with him probably wasn't the best game plan. He just has that war of attrition kind of style. Like, yeah. he'll let guys go and sort of wears them down from there. But Max has a really bad style to try that. Like, Max, mm. Max is a momentum fighter. If you let him get a little, he just rolls on and on and on and on. And that's exactly what you saw mm. here. The volume went up, 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 up. He's a slow starter. Can be a slow starter, yeah. yeah. And... It's as well like with Brian Ortega, he's just, you can just tell, he's just one of those people that just, he has this like just full confidence in himself. Yeah. Because like he just goes, it's going to happen. I've done it. It's like I've built my whole career and pulling it out. Just like, you know, just work for it, wait for my timing to get it, it'll come there. And it never really came. Like he, he hit Max Holloway with some fucking cracker shots, like elbows and things like that. Because I think he said he broke his thumb at one point in the match. Yeah. And then like, you know, he brought it up and then <clears throat> once he kind of brought it up and you go, it's like, yeah, this is my ring, things like that. And then Max goes, oh. Oh, you want to see my next level? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just, just like, especially in the fourth round there, like, um, oh my God, I just can't believe the amount of shots he took. Yeah. I think it's like he, he wore the most significant shots in UFC history. Yeah. Yeah, so he made a record. Fight. Yeah. <laughs> Not the record that you want to make. No. But Max, like, yeah. Max is some of the most intelligent distance control in MMA right now. Mm. Like, he's really coming along as a striker. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, the way that he can throw and then they throw again is something you don't see heaps in MMA. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's awesome to watch. Just keeping him right, like, just really using his frame as well. Like, keeping Ortega, like, right at the end of his punches, slipping and coming back again. Mm. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. And, like, you know, after this fight, like, that doesn't damage Brian Ortega's stock at all. For sure, take a break, though. Take a break, break, yeah. But, like, um, but like yeah, if anything, really, just probably got to work his wrestling a bit more. Like, you know, he's striking, like, it's powerful. It needs, it's, it gets better. Like, yeah. you know, it's getting better needs time. But, like, you know, especially with this kind of fight, the link is, like, you know, his ground game is almost like a, it's like a Romero one-knockout punch. Yeah. You get it to the ground, he's going to finish it. But if he can't get it to the ground, then, you know, you've got problems from there. But, like, um, I'm sure, like, he's going to have a really um, big career ahead of him, even still from that. Um, Max Holloway said in this one as well, like, you know, he's still, feel like he's still got business at 145. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know, he's a young dude, and he's still growing from that one, but, like, um, it's like, 
Fuck, I'm, I'd really like to see him 155. He'll grow into a well so I'd like to see Max Holloway carry a little more muscle into the cage. Yeah. They're already talking about him and Ferguson. Ferguson caught him out straight away. Mm. I'd love that fight. I'd like to yeah. see him versus Khabib. I think that's a real great style matchup yeah. as well. It's almost a good thing that we didn't get that fight on short notice. Like, yeah. that's a waste of a fight. It. It's yeah. a waste of a fight short on a week's notice. Mm. Um, but, like, yeah. But definitely, like, plenty of bright things in front of Max Holloway there. Uh, I don't know if him and, him and Greg will ever fight again, though. <laughs> that's one thing they've started to talk about now, too. Like, I'm seeing a lot of, like, the wheels start to get in motion for a 55 rematch between yeah. Max and Connor. Just say, you know, see if, like, Connor takes another match, like, anytime soon. That they can match, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Because it, it won't be for a title, I guess. But what Danny <laughs> say, he likes um, Ferguson versus Khabib, uh, Portier versus McGregor, too. And the winners fight each other. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, there's some good matches. Even like same thing. Like in, there's that little little thing. Like you know, Max Holloway versus Poirier again in one time. Yeah, because they fought. They like that was actually Max Holloway's very first fight in the UFC was against Poirier. Yeah, well, let's like see these skinny featherweights like mm-hmm. with a little more food breed matches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, be awesome matches. <laughs> All right, let's do a little cap off of the last one. So UFC on Fox yesterday, and um, this was the last card for Fox. I think it was. Yep. Before they go into uh, the ESPN games. Yeah. yeah. I know. What do you guys reckon? How you, how you reckon on Fox was it a success? Or mm. it was like, it's, it started off all good. Like, um, like I said, like the, like one of the very first matches ever on Fox was like, you know, uh, Kane versus the Santos. Yes. And then we finish on um, Lee versus the Quinta too. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they fucked up because they tried for the only time they ever did this to do a one fight event. Do you remember that? Mm. Like Dos Santos versus Velasquez like for their first fight on Fox. They did two hour broadcast for one fight. Yeah. So they did so much analysis and chit chat because the idea being that the Fox audience were watching MMA for the first time. Nah. They talked for two hours and then they got one minute fight out of it. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think that it was, was so the best. That wasn't the best strategy. They just should have thrown everyone in at the deep end and gone in for some exciting, exciting matchups. And like, because they had a prelim card that because you, know, you can't sell people tickets for one fight. They got an awesome three rounder out of um, Benson Henderson and Clay mm. Guida that people didn't see on the TV broadcast, which they would have seen, which yeah. would have been good. Like, yeah. That would have been really good two fights. What an pe- intro! People would have liked the heavyweight KO better if they didn't tune in and watch two hours of just chit chat at yeah. the desk. But that was kind of like their debut of like real sports style analysis, like the way the NFL does it and stuff. Mm. Like that was like the first time we started to see desk broadcasts and stuff and getting the fighters involved. That's like what Fox brought in. Yeah, mm. oh, that's it. But it's, after after the sale though, mm. that kind of changed. I don't think it was even them being broadcast on Fox mm. that changed things. I think it was the the change of hands from from um, Zufa to uh, the conglomerate of entertainment yeah. um, agencies that they have now, <laughs> which is basically what it is. But, um, yeah, I think they're kind of cater more for um, casual fans yeah. and more volume. Mm. I think they're going to have, oh my, I can't even remember the number, some outrageous number of fight cards mm. next year. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're increasing them if that's possible. Increasing. But, yeah, increasing it, though. Right. I don't know. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> yeah, it is begging me to stop watching it at the point. No, no, can't keep up with it. But, like, um, did you guys watch this card yesterday? I watched top two. These were two awesome fights, actually. Oh. I just watched the Aquinta Elite fight. Yeah. Great fight. It I was. slept on Aquinta. Yeah. Most people do. Yeah. Like, you know, I guess after the Khabib one, like, you know, from there, say, like, eh, but like, hey, man. It's like, you know, it's, 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 it's Khabib. Like, yeah, the thing with the Khabib fight was, like, he did catch my interest with how well he did in that fight, but 
I don't really trust anyone. Like, a lot of people do well in fights that they come into on short notice yeah. because it's sort of disadvantaging to the other guy as well. Because, like, I mean, like, I don't know if Khabib game plans or just whatever, but... Khabib time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looked good in that fight. But then this fight, like, obviously we knew he had beaten Lee before. Mm. But, like, I think the general idea was that that was... That kind of Kevin Lee improved a lot since then. And yeah. it was going to be a different story. But, like... Like, Quinn's are very smart on the feet. Mm. Like, he really, like, I was seeing some really cool shoulder feints as the fight went down. Like, he really used the shoulder. Because he has a nice jab that he pops from almost like a shoulder roll. Yeah. Like, he holds his hand at his waist and just swings that pop jab all the way up. But then he really starts to, I think the reason he does that is because of the exaggerated shoulder motion. Then he works off that. Like, he sets some really nice right hands off, just like a flick from his shoulder. Mm. But also some really cool takedown feints I hadn't seen a heap of. Like, he'd lean down, pick up Kevin Lee's leg just to throw it to the floor and set a spinning elbow. Like, some yeah. pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, some pretty nice, like, Dutch-style catch-kick, throw-away, counter-back with his hands. Like, he'd sort of catch um, Kevin's rear kick, throw it to the floor, and then come back with a 2-3, uh, like a straight hook. Like, really nice. Like, Kevin Lee was, like, flicking in and out of Southpaw, which, like, wasn't really working. Like, mm-hmm. he was sort of just setting what Kevin wants, what uh, Aya Quinta wants set. Kevin Lee really doesn't take a shot well either. Mm. I think it's one of those ones where, like, his, his striking's look better, like Kevin Lee's, but, like, uh, to be honest, I don't, just not a striker, really. Like, yeah. he, like he's uh, like a front runner. Like, as long yeah. as I'm striking, I'm hitting you, we're cool. But if you're throwing back at me, from that one, you can kind of see, like, it's, it starts to, the discipline starts to fall apart. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you can see that. And he's got some nice striking fundamentals, but he couldn't really hang with, like, Iquint is quite a small lightweight, I think. Like, I think he's probably a guy who can make featherweight without too much trouble and chooses not to cut weight. Mm. And I just don't think... Well, I think he used his fluidity to his advantage. That's where the, the feints and stuff were coming out and that he was sort of that lighter on his feet, hadn't made a massive weight cut, not carrying a huge amount of muscle in his yeah. feints so he can sneak things through. Yeah. That's what I was seeing a lot of. But I saw some really nice handiwork. And, like, when Kevin Lee would sit himself into Southpaw, like, Iquinta had that good go of just lunging through something off of his right side as soon as the stance changed, which is something he had to time. But he had the eye for it really well. He would just dart all the way in with a right hand when Kevin Lee sat in Southpaw and then forced him back into orthodox. Mm. It was real nice. Wow, it was really good. So, like, um, so in the end of the day, like, yeah, Iquinta, raging owl, took the, the five-round win from there. And, like, even, even this fight, like, watching a little bit of pro fight stuff, just on YouTube there, like, in Kevin Lee, just going, man, yeah, I think I'm going to go to 170. It's like, he sort of talks about, like, oh, they need to do 165. Yeah, like, like 170 is too big. 170 is not too big. No. That's a huge dude. Yeah, he's a big man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just, I guess it's in the, the, the mental part of it, where it's like, oh, no, I'm just like, you know, I can only, I only want to fight the smallest dude possible because that's yeah. my best advantage. But like, there's a lot of times from there, if he goes up, he probably have a mean speed advantage. But you get that mental picture, like, think about Kevin Lee and then think about Tyron Woodley. Mm. Same size. Yeah. yeah. Roundabout. That's not like a, it's, it's not a bad division for him, especially like, you know, the, it's pretty quick with his hands and his kickboxing uh, fundamentals are pretty good. But Come like, um, but his, his grappling is awesome. He's got a really good grappling. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's probably what he's known for mostly, really. But it'll yeah. favor him if he doesn't fade as much. Like, yeah. he fades a lot and he can't take a shot well at all. Mm. Like, does the stanky leg pretty easy. Yeah. So it's like, he'll be able to press his grappling better at a heavyweight, I think. Holding a little more fluid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Hopefully, it does like actually just make the commitment and just go up. All right, and also like on the so like it was the co-headline of this event. So we had Edson Barbosa versus Dan Hooker from uh, City Kickboxing in uh, New Zealand. There, oh man, hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was just 
straight off the bat there with Dan Hooker goes, all right, I'm going to low-kick battle him first off. Yeah, that was not a great call. Yeah. Really and, was pretty content to exchange low-kicks with Barbosa. And that's just like, um, and it's just kind of, when I mean, you kind of just do that straight off the bat with someone like Edson Barbosa from there, you're already just acquiring just damage you probably just don't need to. Yeah. Okay. I also think maybe he thought the opposite stance meant that his kind of outside thigh wasn't as available, so it was okay. Mm. But, like, Barbo doesn't care. Like, he'll rip at the inside leg, too. Like, probably one of the biggest, like... Like, the inside leg kicking, striking sports and MMA is not generally favoured as a damage technique. Mm. Just sort of slapped in to set other things up. Yeah. Whereas Barbosa would really sit his feet and just uncork the inside leg kick the same way he would an outside leg kick. Really started damage hooker with it. Yeah. So many of those inside leg kicks end up as nut shots anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful like... with the inside leg kick. <laughs> yeah. It slides up. But like, yeah, I was really expressed uh, with Esther Barbosa's like, you know, just body of work. Just... Barbosa looked good. He's like, he was going like, a, he was working the body hard. But then he'll just like, he'll bring it back up to like, especially like left hook up top. Left hook is good. You don't see a lot of committed body kicking in MMA. No. It's like pretty different. Mm. So like, Bubbo's has a good Thai style body kick almost. Yeah. And it was right there because of the opposite stance. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's deadly. So. Yeah, it was just like, just cracking on Dan, Dan Hooker's body. Yeah, send the right kick through mm. on, under the arm there. Yeah, I think it was in the first round, or maybe the second round. Like, you know, yeah, it's in Bubbo. So he just learned like a crack of right hand on Dan Hooker. Yeah. And just like, it's. I kind of just kind of went all downhill from there. Like, I'll get a downhook. That was fucking tough. It was tough. He just it, stood there. It seemed like his plan was to kind of like pressure forward and sort of cook Barboza, but didn't really come at him in the way that generally makes Barboza uncomfortable. Mm. Like, kind of played at the range Barboza likes. Like, there's a few kind of footwork issues people have exposing Barboza, but the distance that Dan hooker wanted to hold this fight wasn't going to make that trouble he wasn't trying to cut the cage at all mm. he was just sort of letting Barboza hop backwards the way he likes to make room and kick yeah. it's like the guys who beat Barboza by pressure him, pressuring him pressure him right into sort of dirty box and clinch mm. then obviously like the guys that want to wrestle him stifle him as well but Dan was kind of just trucking after him but at the same distance that lets Barboza kick mm. like Barboza went to spin a few times seems to be spinning a little <coughs> bit less Yeah, <laughs> realising that like like, he uses a, he has a really high energy style and gets tired. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, super high output. Even this fight's really high output. He, he still did really pretty good. I thought but, he looked good, yeah. but it looked improved. Mm. And, like, in that third round in particular from there, like, um, yeah, he just, like, he did throw a couple spinning kicks and just pretty much doubled over Dan Hooker. Yeah, like, Dan pretty much couldn't stand up, right? Yeah. It's one of those ones where, I guess, you just go, and, like, the ref could probably step in now. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, because, just because he's not, he's not on, like, just because he's still standing up doesn't mean that he's still in the fight. I guess to a degree it's on the corner as well, though. Mm. Yeah, it is. Like, if Dan wants to keep fighting and he was still pressing forward, then maybe it's the corner's decision to throw something in or a bit. And sometimes as well when it's just like a, it's like more of like a, the damage is more of a body shot. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, just head pinging around. Even though in the second round it was like that, though. It's like the American <laughs> attitude, though, seems to be like body shots don't count. Mm. Like, there's not like a massive appreciation for body work mm. in like the American fans. It's all about headshots. Yeah. And that's reflected in how few people actually work the body well mm. and the way that you don't see people really pressing to stop fights due to body work. But like, Dan's insides were rearranged by those kicks and knees. Oh, this is terrible. So, like, yeah, you got a few spinning kicks to double over and then actually just ended it with a left body rip because it's. Like, it was just a cherry on top. It, it just, just needed one. It's just bang. Yeah, that over. third round sort of spinning back kick just landed just flush, just mm. straight mule kicked him in the yeah. dead center of his midsection. It makes me think, like, you know, after special fights like this, like, you know, I wonder how 
well his liver is going. And he's probably just pissing Coca-Cola. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. He's yeah. orange urine. Yeah, yeah. so like, well, well, hopefully he'll up. And like, you know, Darren Hooker before that, like, you know, coming into this was like, yeah, I'm a really good streak. Really good form. And like, mm. really good form. But like, you know, yeah, and you know, you hit someone like Esther Barbosa, who like, you know, basically hasn't been on the best run, but the people who fought though, yeah. it's yeah. like there. And like, it, it looks like Edson, like with the change of camp here, like at the American top team, like it looks good. I think the camp change has been good for Edson. Yeah. And so let's see how it goes from there for both of them. Trajectory. All right. And I think that should do us for today. Yes. Yay. Um, so just remember to follow us on uh, Enter the Double Dragon on Instagram from there. Uh, also rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Spotify and all uh, podcast platforms from there. And until next time, we'll catch you later. There you go. Oh,